I want to bring a message this morning I'm entitling Focusing on Jesus. I want us to go to Philippians chapter 2, and I want to read to you some scripture from verse 1. Listen very carefully as I read, and pay attention to every verse, because each one of them has a very special message for us today. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And now I want you to listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away that's reserved in heaven for you and for me. Praise his holy name. Let's talk about Jesus this morning. Let's think about what an awesome, mighty God we serve. And I want to put that in the context of what is it like to know Jesus from a spirit-filled life? What is it like to have a God that is alive? As we celebrate Easter, we will come together as Christians all over the world, and we're the only ones that our God rose from the grave and is alive and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. We're not going to be talking about being spirit-filled. We're going to be talking about being Christ-filled, Jesus-filled. When a person gets saved and they get right with the Lord, you know what they want to talk about? They want to talk about Jesus. More than the Holy Spirit, yes, and more than the Father, yes, they want to talk about Jesus. Because you see, in Jesus is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus is everything. He is all the world to us. He's our light, our strength, our protector, our provider. He's our savior. He's our coming king. You know, someone has said, you cannot cope without hope. 
You can't cope with the things in life without hope in Jesus Christ. No wonder we have people that are choosing to leave this world. No wonder we have such struggles in our marriages, such struggle in our nation, such struggle in our schools, in our businesses, in our homes. Because for the greater majority, we have left Jesus out of our life. We have left the resurrected Jesus out of our life. When we talk about God the Father, it's a wonderful discussion. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it adds so much to the total picture. But in the center, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When Jesus went back to heaven, he said, I'm going to leave one with you that is going to comfort you. But it's still about Jesus. In Jesus is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, according to the holy word of God. There's a lot of people that run around today and say that I believe in God. Wonderful. That means you're not a fool. Because the Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God. But there's more to it than believing in God. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know, would you know God if you saw him? Well, if you know Jesus, you have seen him. Because he says, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. That's what it's all about. It's not enough just to believe in God. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In Colossians 2, 9, the scripture I just quoted, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In John 14 and 9, he who has seen me, Jesus is speaking, has seen the Father. In John 10, 30, Jesus said, my Father and I are one. When the Holy Spirit is come, the Bible says he will bring witness of me, John 15, 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, what is the Holy Spirit going to do? Watch out now, don't answer out loud, because you may have the wrong answer. You say, well, he's going to give me a special gift. No, 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 no. No, the Spirit points people to Jesus. He doesn't come to give you blessings Jesus can't give you. He leads you to Jesus, and in Jesus is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Don't embarrass the Holy Spirit by putting the Holy Spirit that you can get Jesus and move up to the Holy Spirit. When you get Jesus, you got it all. You say, I disagree with you. Well, you're disagreeing with the scripture. Jesus said, in me is all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And when we let others see Jesus in us, instead of our spiritual gift, let them see Jesus. We must decrease and he must increase. We never bless people by telling them how blessed we are. We bless people by telling them that we're sinners saved by grace. And that our lives has been changed by the blood of Jesus, which cleanses from all sin. And not by works of righteousness, which we have done, the scripture says, but by his stripes. Whose stripes? Jesus' stripes. We've been healed. We have been made whole. We have been born again. We are adopted into the family of God. And there are no other things coming down the pike except for the fact that Jesus is coming again and is going to take us and introduce us to the Father, King of kings and Lord of lords.
Remember this, spirit-filled people talk about Jesus. Spirit-filled people don't talk about the Holy Spirit. They talk about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is involved, but he, Jesus, must have preeminence. We're all trying to get to Jesus. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. The only unpardonable sin in the Bible is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us to the Savior. And without him, we cannot get there. He's the one that protects us, guides us, puts us in situations where we can hear the gospel. We can see the gospel at work. And then good things begin to happen. Whenever you see a spirit-filled person, they're going to talk about Jesus. Whenever you see a believer, they're going to serve Jesus. Whenever you see a believer, they're going to give to Jesus of their time and of their talents and of their substance. Whenever you see a person that is born again and you focus on that person, let others see Jesus in you, you will see through that person just a glimpse of who Jesus is. As he is, the Bible says, so we are to be in this life. Do you remember the Apostle Paul? If you're a Bible student, of course, you say, that's a silly question. But maybe you haven't been a Christian long enough to learn about Paul. But he was a man that was extremely gifted that set out to execute as many Christians as he could. But one day, by the power of God, he was knocked to his feet. and A bright light shined out of heaven. He was blinded. He was taken to Ananias' house. And he became a born-again believer, and his whole life changed. Oh, he said, Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He didn't say for me to live is for, to be full of the Holy Spirit. He said for me to live is for Jesus to live in me. And you know, when you get Jesus in you, you got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in you. You get a triple dip, you know. You don't just get the single dip. You get it all. You get it all because Jesus puts it all together. And in Philippians 1.21, where he said, For me to live is Christ Jesus and to die is gain. Why do we worry so much? I'm telling you, the television is filled with all these drugs. Of course, it says down the bottom, don't expect this to work for you, but that's all right. If it's on television, it's got to be worth buying. <laughs> people are just upset. They're upset about everything. I, I cannot figure out the people get out on, these, on the freeway in Houston and scream and holler at everybody. I mean, they look, they're liking something. They need to move to the country. <laughs> you know, that's life in the city, Right? I mean, if you're going to drive, you're going you're gonna to get honked at. So cool it, you know. Don't put honk if you love Jesus on there. <laughs> and don't put the sign of the fish if you act like a fool when you're driving, okay? It's just bad publicity for the Lord. <laughs> but you know what Paul said? We can get something from this guy. He's so smart, sometimes we've got to bring him down to where most of us live. You know what he said? He said, I've learned to be content. I have learned to be content. I remember some milk company years ago, they got their cows contented. All the milk came from contented cows. <laughs> Evidently, that made better milk. I don't remember who it was, but I remember the slogan. But I'll tell you this. When you got Jesus in your life, you, you'll find contentment. When Jesus takes over your life, you're going to find out who's running stuff. And you're not going to get up in the morning with all your plans 
that you put down the night before, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow, and that day is totally different. And if you don't know Jesus, you're going to have a nervous breakdown and need some of those pills that you bought just to go to sleep. But if you understand, God says you don't plan your tomorrows. I'm the only one that knows what tomorrow holds for you. And if my itinerary doesn't deal with your itinerary, you just cool it and do it my way, and you'll understand it better by and by. There's many of us that have had our plans changed, and it probably saved our life. We got lost and didn't die in the wreck on the freeway. And we were mad, fussing to everybody we saw. We missed our plane. It was late. And we made a fool of ourselves at everybody in the airport that looked like that they wanted to hear our story. And the plane didn't make it to where it was going. There are stories that you can read books about people that God changed their plans. And so, when we think about that today, God doesn't want us to be defeated, uh, unhappy, frustrated, perplexed, defensive people. He says, it's the day the Lord's made. Rejoice and be glad in it. But it may not go your way. But I've always got my way. I've always been a spoiled brat. My daddy spoiled me. My mother spoiled me. And I have spoiled everybody else's life since they did. <laughs> and and I, that's just who I am. And if you're going to run with me, you're going to have to learn that. And, of course, most people say, I choose not to run with you. And I will go my own way. But God doesn't want us ever to be frustrated and perplexed. He wants us to let go and let him take control. Don't get up in the cockpit to fly the big jet. Stay where you're seated and put on your seatbelt and pray for a safe arrival. A lot of times our experiences, and we're all guilty of this, we have to be so careful in talking about our experiences, but a lot of times they contradict God's word. If you live a life based on your personal experience with Christianity, and you don't have the Word of God, which sees if your experiences were matching what the Word teaches, you get yourself in a lot of trouble. You find yourself saying things you shouldn't say, and really down deep in heart you don't believe them, but they sounded good when you said them. But when you let go and let God and start focusing on Him and following Him, who says, I will never leave you, that means He'll always be available to follow. And you get up with Jesus and you go to bed with Jesus, and every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before, all of a sudden life begins to take on totally new meaning. We need to know the mind of God. The scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Every one of us could listen to a message like this, and I want you to know before I preach any message to you, I preach it to myself. But there's a lot of things in the flesh that confuses us. How would you like to live a life for one year and never get frustrated? Would that not be a world record? If you could have one year and I don't wake up frustrated or go to bed frustrated for 365 days. Wouldn't that be a great year? We'd probably frame the date on the refrigerator door, the bathroom door, the garage door, the front door, the back door, and put it on our license plate. I didn't get frustrated in 2018. 
but I'm afraid that none of us walked with God quite a hundred percent. So where does the joy come from? Do you really believe that everything you need is in Jesus Christ? That he's the source for everything you need? Think about it. Do you believe it? And, and it's easy to say, yes, I do, but do you believe it? Do you believe he'll supply your needs? Yes, but he has conditions. He says, I'll give to you if you'll share with others. I, I will give you if you will share it. But I don't give you to keep it. I bless you in order for you to bless others. And so when we get to that point and understand that he is the source of our joy, and we do not have to, to bet it to get it. We don't have to get in the lottery. We do not have to go our way with the intent that we're going to figure this thing out and if we just play our cards right and if we get a system that we can operate by where we're going to get accomplished what we want to get accomplished, we're headed for trouble. Here's the problem with most, quote, Christians. We find ourselves really believing at times there's something else. There's something more, even spiritually. We believe we can get the Holy Spirit and it'll help us to understand Jesus. No, that's not what the Holy Spirit is for. He leads you to Jesus, then he comforts you after you become a follower of Jesus. And he has some wonderful things that he does. But sometimes they're not what we think they are. When a man gets Jesus, I mean really gets saved, he gets everything. He gets everything. Don't you like those commercials where they sell you something and they'll say, however, if you'll call right now, we'll send you two of them. <laughs> Plus shipping and handling, which will be twice as much as if you just took the one, all right? But that's another way of saying, oh, I want a deal. I always want to make a deal. But you know what? When you get Jesus, there isn't anything else. Jesus is all the world to me. How great thou art. Why do those songs live through the generations? Because they are true to the scripture. I love to sing songs about Jesus. You know there's not many songs being written today with Jesus' name in them. We have everything but Jesus in them. We talk about how to live, what to do, and how to be sweet, and how to be graceful, and how to love each other, and how to be merciful. But Jesus still remains the sweetest name I know. When I sing it or say it or think it or pray it, Jesus is all the world to me. He's our life. He's our hope. He's our future. He's everything. He's everything. Second Peter 1, 3 says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything. You don't have to take a chance. It's wonderful to invest, but what if the investment goes south. Is God going to walk out on you? No. He will provide what you need from the source he wants to provide it. But most of the time, you're going to have to change direction and where you're going. And your priorities are going to have to change. But when they do change, then you look back and say, why didn't I learn this 30 years ago? I wouldn't have had so many of these pills. I wouldn't have had so many of these breakdowns. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, the next verse says, Whereby 
are given unto us, the, the children of God, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you, me, might be partakers of his divine nature. Woo, that's a strong scripture. That's another one to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. That's all we ask. God wants his people to be free. God wants his people to focus on him. God wants his people to be what only God's people can be and to do what only God's people can do. And if you are saved, listen, if you are saved, you have the resources to, to have joy in your life for as long as you live. You will learn to be content in the daylight or in the dark, when you're young, middle-aged, or old, when you have nothing or where you have a surplus of stuff. You will be happy and full of joy and full of peace if you know that if you see yourself decreasing, he is going to be increasing in your life. And the tension is not going to be focused on you or on me. It's going to be focused on him. And he will bring us to where he wants us to be. In Philippians, in that scripture that I read to you a while ago, uh, verse 1, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, as it starts that way, what it's setting up is four real quick things. You remember Jesus going to a wedding one time? Problems, right? Problems at the wedding. Who solved them? He did. Do you ever read about Jesus going to funerals? Yeah, what happened? The grave digger wasted his time. Yeah, but he's dead. But Jesus showed up. Yes, Jesus can raise the dead. And when he comes again, he's going to. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And those that are alive and remain to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. What did he do when he visited the hospitals? What could he do? Give another test? Do another operation? No, he could touch you. And you could be made whole. That's when Jesus shows up. How about the people in poverty? Waiting on the government to show up. Waiting on people to show up. What happened when Jesus showed up? He took care of it. What this world needs is Jesus. What the world needs is not more of any of us. What they need is a Jesus in us. And if you have no Jesus in you, you have nothing to give. Is there any consolation, comfort, fellowship? Well, the answer is there is. There is. You know, consolation, sometimes that can throw you. None of us wanted to win the consolation prize in sports. That's when all the losers get together and they pick a winner. <laughs> it never was too much fun to get that prize, if you know what I'm talking about. But he talks about comfort, which is persuasion that God is in control. He talks about fellowship, gathering around the holiness of God. That's what fellowship is. Two fellows in the same ship. The, the ship was in the storm. Jesus gets in the boat. Peace comes. We all jump in the ship. That's Christian fellowship. 
We get together with him, and he satisfies us. When he talks about bowels and mercy, that's, those words kind of can throw us, but let me tell you how they influence what we say. Did you ever tell anybody, I just love you with all my heart? How would Dr. DeBakey, if he were alive, interpret that? I just love you with all this heart. I don't want to be loved by your heart. That's bloody. <laughs> I, I don't want you to love me with your heart. I want you to love me with the heart of God. I want God to live in me, and I want God to live in you. That's what we're trying to look at here. When you start saying, take consolation, your whole house didn't burn down. Well, take consolation. They caught it while it was in its early stages. That doesn't comfort anybody. But when you can sing, Jesus is all the world to me. He touched me. He did whatever. Now we got something. We've got something. If he can save from the guttermost to the uttermost, just think what he can do with us that are in between. God is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father, but Jesus our God leads us to the Father. Yes. Don't ever ask people to pray that you'll hold out. Don't, don't, don't say, I'm, I'm really not doing so good. Just tell people, God is in control. I just love the Lord. His ways are higher than mine. I'm going to let go and let God have his way in my life. Sometimes Christians act like a bunch of neurotics. And that's not Christianity. That has nothing to do with Christianity. That's not the mind of Jesus. We don't need to lose it where we can't think clearly, where we get disturbed. And many people, many people, the first thing they do when they get in trouble is quit reading the Bible, quit coming to church, they quit praying, they quit running with believers, and they go out into the world. That's the first thing they do. And the first thing you need to do is run to Jesus. He said, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. If you ever go somewhere you've never been, you better have a guide. And you better follow that guide, and you better know that guide knows where he's going. And especially if you go to the bush of Africa or India, you better know where you're going or know somebody that does. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't have a clue, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I know he holds my hand, and I know he holds your hand too, if you've ever put your hand in the nail-scarred hand. But while you argue with your friends and you're winning most of the debates and nobody even wants to talk to you about spiritual things because you've been so rude for so many years to so many, they just leave you alone. Let me tell you something. They may still be your friend, but they're the worst friend you got. Because if your friend knows the way to Jesus and won't tell you and take you with them, you need another friend. Jesus did not trust many people. He didn't say, follow John, follow Peter, follow Paul, follow John Mark. He said, follow me. You know why? Because all of them were going to fail. And we've all failed, hadn't we? Amen. Anybody here say, well, I never did anything that I wasn't proud that people were following me. I don't think you can say that. I think you can say, I've, I'm afraid I've led people the wrong way too many times. But I sure would like a fresh start. Well, that's called salvation. That's called a new birth. That's called everlasting life. In Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren, 
Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's what it means to follow Jesus. All the things you're looking for is in him. He's in Jesus. The scripture talks about the comfort of love. The persuasion to know the love of God constrains us. Conviction. Just simple conviction. I'm not going to. Not I'll think about it, I'll pray about it, I'll consider it, I think we may be busy. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow my Lord. Why did God give us 2 Corinthians 6, 17? Wherefore, come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Why did he say in Colossians 3, 2, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth? Why can't we get that? I fight it, and you fight it. But I tell you what, I know who to turn to when I need a partner to take over the battle. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have a partner. There's no other person that can help you other than Jesus Christ. But he can change your life. When we become identified with the world and we succeed in the world and by the accolades of the world, we're at the top of the charts. We have more trophies than anyone, more plaques than anyone, more recognition of anyone. We may be in trouble because we're to decrease and he is to increase. And you know, when you feed on the world and its provisions, you can't expect to be blessed by the provisions of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You've got to either push the world aside, come out from among them, be separate and follow me. Or you just got to hang in out there and hope that the Bible is not the word of God. And hope that Jesus did not rise from the grave. That he was not crucified. That he did not ascend into heaven. And he is not coming again. Those are the odds. You, you have that choice. That's your option. But I'm asking you today, whether you're here in this auditorium or anywhere in the world. That you today, in the quietness of where you are right now whether you're in this crowd of people or by yourself that you would just bow your head and say oh God I'm a sinner I want you in my life Jesus come Lord Jesus into my life I confess my sin I repent of my sin I give my life to you and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you do that? Can you make a case for continuing where you are right now and yet expecting something different to happen? It's not going to happen. It is not. If it does, it'll be worse. Because if Satan, if you're still alive, Satan is still after you and the demons of hell are after you. But when you come to Jesus, it's over for him. The devil doesn't mess with the blood of Jesus. 
But he messes with phony religious people that think by my doing, going, and giving is going to make it happen. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born again.